Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good morning. So good to be back with you today. I'm glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles with you, I hope that you do. If you'll turn with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 17 this morning, John chapter 17. The title of our Christmas series um, this year is The Glory of Christmas. And so today I want want you to see us to see together um, what Jesus prays for and he prays for the glory of God. Um, And so um, I hope this year, as we work through this passage together, we'll understand more about what that means for him to desire the glory of God and, um, and what that means for us today. You know, it, uh, it's the time of the year, it's Christmas season, and I know you, we are just a week away um, from Christmas, and most of you, if not many of you, have done most of your Christmas shopping, and you've been through your list of the different people that you um, have to get gifts for, and you know, as you prepare to, to go through the gift-giving season and to prepare those gifts, you know, some people you um, maybe have close relationships to, and, and um, they may be even send you a list of things that they want. That's what Brandy and I do. I think I've told you that in years past. Um, she'll say, what do you want for Christmas? And, and we have this little notes that we'll share together. And I'm just, you know, Scripture says you, you have not because you ask not, right? So I just believe in asking. And so, and I just want to say when I ask for a gift, I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm very detailed. You know, like Brandy always gives me art time, but I, when I send her my list, I tell her what I want. I send her links to where, where she can buy it. And I even list out sizes just to make sure she gets the right size. I just think it's really important just to make sure when you ask, you ask very clearly, right? Now, Brandy, she's different. You know, she, her list is clothes, pants. Boots. You know how many, you know how much clothes there are in this world? You know how many pairs of different pants and different style of pants in this world? Do you know what, how many boots there are in the United States of America? And so for her just to give me a general list, and just so you know, I am very indecisive. You know, I, I'm the one that goes into the, you know, the grocery store to, to buy a bag of chips, and I'm five minutes on the chip aisle trying to decide just what chips I'm going to buy. So you just say boots, you'll t- it'll take me a month to decide what boots to get. You know, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, when we ask, you know, be very specific. And sometimes that's the way it is when we, when we get gifts and someone just gives us a general list. It would say, we would say, you know, I really prefer you to be more specific. They kind of give us more detail, just really what you want. So when I do give to you, I give to you to, to meet your heart's desire. And that's why I list out everything that I wanted, the detailed, even sizes, right? And so, but, you know, if you were going to say today, if you were going to put Jesus on your Christmas list and you would say, I would really want to know what what does Jesus want? What would he really want? Well, today, as we look at this passage of scripture, this is a the high priestly prayer. This is a conversation between God, I mean Christ and God the Father. And in this prayer, Jesus says to the Father what he desires, what he really wants. 
he's detailed in asking for the Father what he wants. And so I pray today as we just, we're not going to look at the whole prayer today for the sake of time. And I know you're worried. I've been out last week. So you're thinking, oh, he's going to get the double bear. I hope you brought your bag of lunch. But, um, but for the sake of time today, we're only going to look at the first five verses and only really look at the very beginning of his prayer, his first request to the Lord. So but I pray today that we really will see what does Jesus want for Christmas? What does God desire? What's Christ desire for me today? So let's stand and let's read God's word together. So John 17, starting at verse 1. And, and Jesus says these words. Or scripture says in John 17 these words, and then we hear the words of Jesus in that. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since um, you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all in whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they, may, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have gave, gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for... This passage of scripture, I believe you led us to, and Lord, you know, um, Lord, what I've prepared and what I've studied and um, the different things that you've brought to my mind. And Lord, I pray today that you would give me clear speech, um, clear uh, presentation of your word, that I might rightly divide or explain your word to your people. And Lord, that I would give them the words that you desire today, not my own. So Lord, speak through me. And Lord, may we as hearers today, as we hear your word, may we... um, Respond and, um, Lord, um, appropriately, Lord, Lord, what you're saying to us, how you're speaking to us. Lord, may we not only be hearers today, but, Lord, may we be doers of your word. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the time that you you allow us to come and meet you here today to bring you glory that you deserve. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you come to this passage of Scripture, as I said, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. It is seen as one of the... um, one of the greatest passages in all of Scripture. This is Jesus' high priestly prayers. Some would say it. Some would say, um, as they talk about this passage of Scripture, that this is a, a picture of the Holy of Holies here. Jesus himself, um, without sin, speaking to the Holy Father. So this is just a, a beautiful picture of um, the holiness of Christ and, and um, God and them communicating um, with one another. As we see this prayer, this is Jesus praying, just to kind of give you a background of where they are, this is Jesus has just spent, um, been in the upper room with the disciples in his last um, supper with them. He is, um, a few chapters ahead is where he just has a, he's sitting by the table and he's reclining um, at the table with the disciples and he just teaches them, he's just kind of giving them, them his last words. He institutes the Lord's Supper that night with them and has a last meal with them. He, leave, they believe that they leave there and somewhere in between um, eating there in that home and heading to the, um, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays this prayer. As Jesus prays this prayer, you see at the very beginning just how he starts the prayer. 
You see, when he had spoken these things, that's referring to all the teaching that he had given to them at that Last Supper. Jesus said, he, the Scripture says, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. That is kind of something we see in Scripture, of just a, a posture of prayer that was seen consistently through Scripture. When people would pray, they would lift up their eyes toward heaven. Jesus does that. And then he says these words. He begins by saying, Father. It's neat that just to think um, as Christ prays, he addresses the Lord as his Father. It relays a personal nature between Christ and God. Um, that he, for Christ, was seen as someone who was not high and lifted up, someone who was not approachable, but seen as someone who was fatherly, someone who was personable, someone who had a, he had a relationship with that he regularly communicated with. I think sometimes as we think about God, we think of God as someone that's way up there, who's unreachable, that's not personable, that's not um, involved in our intimate details of our life. Jesus did not believe that, and even in his prayer, he says, Father. He says, Father, in this prayer six times, he indicates just his relationship, intimate relationship with the Lord. It's neat that as we come to this passage of Scripture, he prays aloud. If you study through, as we work through the Gospel of Mark, you, we have seen Jesus constantly praying, praying as he got away and um, there in Galilee and prayed alone. We see him praying in so many different times, even so much the disciples would see him praying and realize that he prayed differently than them. There was something about his prayer that was different than their prayer. And they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. So they have seen Jesus pray all these different times, but very few occurrences in the New Testament Gospels, the four Gospels we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we actually see an audible prayer of Jesus. Jesus prays aloud here, and I really believe he prays aloud because he wanted his disciples to hear him pray. He wanted disciples to hear what was on his heart. He wanted disciples to hear what, was, what he desired from the Father. So he prayed aloud so they might hear one, how he prayed, and then two, what was on his heart. Can I say that today as we come to this passage of Scripture? We should not um, miss that, that Jesus intentionally says his high, his high priestless prayers, his pray to the Father, that his disciples might hear that. Listen today, that you might hear what he desired. He lifts up this prayer. By the way, I don't, uh, something we did a study just a few weeks ago or a month or so ago called Praying with Paul. It was a study on prayer. And uh, D.A. Carson said that prayer is the billboard of the heart. That when we pray out loud, we reveal to the world what is in our heart. It declares quickly to the whole world what's really, what's really in our heart, what we really desire. So if you think about that just a minute, we see, if we read, study Jesus' prayer, it's the billboard of his heart. We see really what's on his heart. He says in this prayer as he begins, Father, and he says, the hour has come. Throughout Jesus' teaching, he had declared so many times the hour had not come yet. He um, consistently throughout John and other gospels, he declared at different times the hour had not come. What was that hour that Jesus was referring to? Well, that hour was the consummation of his earthly ministry. That was the conclusion of his ministry. It was his death. It would be his resurrection. And it would be his ascension. So as Jesus comes to this passage of Scripture, he prays to the Father, Father, 
And then he begins his prayer in saying, Father, the hour has now come. Lord, my, the, my ministry is coming to an end. My life is coming to an end. My death is coming. Your wrath is coming. And I will go, will, next is coming is my resurrection. And then my extension. The hours come, Lord. He says that this is it. This is what I've been preparing for. This is what you brought me here for. And listen to what he says, and here's their, their first request that Jesus says. So with that understanding, Father, the hour has come. My, this is coming to the end of my life, the end of my ministry, the end, my death, the resurrection. Now that the time has come, here's his request. Listen to what he says. Glorify your son. He prays that God would give him glory. Now think about that. He's, he's thinking about his, the end of his life, the end of his ministry. He's thinking about his death. And in preparation for his death, he asks God for something. What does he ask? He asks for the glory of God. Now if you think about glory, what is glory? The title of our series is The Glory of Christmas. What does that mean? Glory simply defined means honor or an excellent reputation. If you think about throughout scripture, we see that God's glory is something that belongs only to him. In in its expression of God's excellence, his greatness. Scripture would kind of give us a picture of this, like in Psalm 24, 10, it says, who is the king of glory? right? Who is the one who is more excellent above all the other kings? Who is the one that, um, that greatness belongs to above all the other kings, right? Who is that? Who is the king of glory? Well, Psalm 24 says, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory, right? What does that mean? His greatness is God's greatness, God's excellence is beyond any other king and any other man, right? Scripture would say he's the God of all gods, right? There is no one more excellent or, 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 or is greater, if you will, than God. He is the king of glory. Another passage of Scripture would be Psalm 104. It would show us the, the greatness or the glory of God. Oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Covered with lights as with a garment, stretching out heavens like a tent. It gives the imagery that the very essence of who God is this is. He is greater than all things, but even in his existence, he is majestic. He is full of splendor. Now, the interesting thing about Scripture, when it talks about God's very nature, is that he is, um, is his greatness and his glory. He is... Um, Excellent above all things of this earth, and only glory belongs to him. Scripture also indicates to us that God doesn't share his glory with anything else. Do you know that? Isaiah 42, 8, Scripture would say, I am the Lord, and that is my name, and my glory I give to what? No other nor my praise to carved um, idols. God says, what, I'm the king of glory. 
There is no other God besides me. I am majestic. I am full of splendor. And I give my glory to no one else. Yet in this prayer, Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. What? Glorify me. He asks God for the glory that's reserved only for him. That would show us by Jesus declaring that, that Jesus himself is God himself. If God would share his glory with no other, only he could give his glory only to what? Himself, only to a God himself. That's Jesus Christ incarnate. But I love the imagery here. And by the way, that's consistent with John 14. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen what? His glory, the glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Throughout Jesus' life, he was created um, for the glory of God. And throughout his life, Jesus was committed to this glory. He was committed to God's glory. And, and look at the prayer. As you come to the prayer, he says, Father, the hour has come. The, the end of my life has come. The end of my ministry. The, the end of um, my death. Um, the um, resurrection. The ascension. That time has come. So he says, God glorify me. Now listen to what he says. Why does he want this glory from God? That the Son may glorify you. God, give me what? Your glory that I might give you glory. Isn't that beautiful? The beautiful relationship by, between the Father and the Son. The Son who longs for the, the, the Father's glory only that he might give God glory. God, give me glory that I might declare to the world that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are magnet, uh, majestic above all other, that you are splendor beyond all things of this world. God, give me the, um, your glory that I might give you glory. And he was throughout his life, Jesus was this one, he was committed to the glory of God. Even his birth in Luke chapter 2, as we see the shepherds out in the fields by night, and they're watching over their flock, and these angels descend and, um, upon them, and they said, what, fear not, we, we see that story. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And there, as those angels are before the shepherds, what do they declare to those shepherds that night? announcing this Savior that would be born. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among whom he is pleased. Even in the very announcements of Jesus' birth, his announcement gave God glory. But throughout Jesus' life, he longed from his birth, even throughout his ministry, to give God glory. In his teaching, we would see in Matthew 7, I mean Matthew 5, 16, that as he was teaching, he, he, would, um, he would say, he would taught in order that they might see his, um, his good works and give, give the glory to the Father who is in heaven. Jesus taught in order to give God glory. Not only did he taught in order to give God glory, but we know Jesus did many miracles throughout the Gospels. 
And the purpose of those miracles, well, what was the purpose of all those miracles? Why did Jesus do all the miraculous in the New Testament that we see, things that no one else could do? What he did it, why? That God might receive glory. In Matthew 15, 31, it, the crowd is seeing Jesus do all these mir- many miracles. And it says, and the crowds wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. You see, Jesus' birth gave God glory. His teaching gave God glory. His miracles gave God glory. But Jesus understood this. Now, don't miss this. The greatest way that he could give God glory was not only in his birth, not just in his teaching, not just in his miracles. The greatest way he would declare the glory of God And give God glory was through his death. That was the climax. That was the ultimate way he would give God glory. Was through the hour that was coming. It was through his death. Jesus says in John 12. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls on the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There my servants must also be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled, I say, Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. He's talking about his death. Jesus says the hour has come. He even says to the Father once again, Father, save me from this hour. But Jesus says, listen to this, but for this purpose I came. Therefore, in verse 23, or 28, Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Then the voice of heaven came. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. You must see this imagery as Jesus has been with his disciples. He's taught them. He's coming to his last moments. He knows what's going to come. He knows the scourging. He knows the beating. He knows the torture that he will endure. But greater than that, he knows the wrath of God that's coming. And in all of those things, Jesus desires desires that, God, what you put me on this earth for, God, I want to finish it. And, God, I want to finish it in a way that you receive the glory from it. The hour has come. Glorify me. You know, I wonder today as we come to this passage of Scripture and we think about this the heart of what Jesus wants here. I mean, if you encompass his entire life from the birth to the end, all Jesus really wants is to give God glory. I wonder for you and I, when we think about our life and we think about giving Jesus something for Christmas or giving something to Jesus, period. Maybe the heart of what Jesus wants for us is to be individuals 
who say, God, with my life, I want to give you glory. From the beginning of my life to the end of my life, and everything in between, God, I want to give you glory. And I wonder what that would look like if we would say, Lord, today, I want to give you glory. In every part of my life, God, I want to give you glory. You know, Scripture is, is, this theme is repeated through Scripture. Probably one of the other greatest examples of this commitment to the glory of God is really Paul. Paul in Philippians 1, 19 through 21, Paul's in prison. Paul is coming to the end of his life. He really doesn't know why he's in prison there, and he's writing a letter to the, the church at Philippi. He doesn't know whether he is going to be sentenced to death or whether he's going to live. So in this kind of in-between moment of trying to, know, trying to determine what, his, uh, what lies within his future, he writes this letter to the church of Philippi, and he kind of demonstrates them his letter, this kind of wrestling in him. He doesn't really know what's going to turn out. But he, shows, he says to them, although I don't know whether I'll live or die, he kind of shows them his desire in that. And this is what he says in Philippians 1, 19. He says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, this will turn out to my deliverance, as it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, as now as always... Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or by my death. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You know, Paul basically says in this prayer, really, I don't really know whether I'll live or die. But my prayer is and my hope is that with full courage, now as always, that Christ would be honored in my body. Paul says, whether I live or whether I die, my desire is that Christ would be honored in my body. If I live, may Christ be honored through my body. But if I die, may Christ be honored in my body. Whether I live or die, may God receive all the glory from my life. I think that's a question for all of us is, what is our commitment to the glory of God? Westminster Catechism, Shorter Catechism, says the chief in demand. There's a question of what is the chief in demand? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But the reality is we do struggle and we all must have to determine what do we do or what are we really living for? Are we living for our glory, or we're living for a man's glory. In Scripture, we even see Jesus say or declare that we are, have a tendency to live for our own glory. In, um, in John 12, um, 42 through 43, he tells um, the story about some Pharisees who come to know the Lord or believed in him. And I'll read the passage of Scripture he says, nevertheless, many of the authorities that believed in him, believed in Jesus, but fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man 
more than the glory that comes from God. You know, I was, um, me and my girls this week were um, at a restaurant, and, and um, there were some parents that were sitting beside us, and they had a little toddler. And um, we, were, we were, you know, you, you, they were right beside us. And, it, you know, you try to stay in your little lane and not listen, but I just couldn't help listen. And I heard the mom say to the little toddler, he had to be three or four, you know, well, we want to practice because you're going to get a lot of presents in the next week. And we want to practice what, how you're going to respond to getting these gifts. And so, so she said to her husband, okay, um, daddy, you give me a gift and I'll show you how to respond. And so <laughs> he gave her a gift. It was like salt shaker or something. She's like, oh, for me? Oh, thank you. This is what I've always wanted, you know. And then he gave her something, and he goes, oh, for me. And she, he says, oh, thank you so much for what you... And then they gave it to the little boy and got him to practice. And they did this like several times. But we, I, I, I tell you that story because we, we really want to honor people, right? We really want to give them, show our appreciation. And that's really important this time of the year, right? We, you buy gifts for people because these people are special to you, and you want to give them something to express what your appreciation for them and when you give that gift let's just be honest we want to receive a little honor back right and so we want to we want to see that they are pleased with the gift that we gave them right and so sometimes we give right because we want the recognition of what we have given right and so at the heart of giving something is really a desire for that what, honor or whatever it may be to be reciprocated back to us. Thank you so much for what you've done for me or whatever. So we like the honor that comes from man. And we see that through the Christmas season. We like getting gifts from people that show their appreciation. And we like giving gifts so we can get the attention for the hug or for that little boy to say, yeah! And we want to hear him see that. And if he doesn't do it, well, he just didn't like me. You know, you know what I mean? We like that. And that overflows through so many different areas of our life. That many times, if we're real honest, we are living either for our own glory or we're living for God's glory. If you think about you students today in, in our room for our young people how much are you focused on in your athletics or your academics on receiving praise and honor from your parents or to, to, to be better than your classmate and the attention you might get from being better? Or maybe, and my girls, you, you, later on when you're 40, you can think about dating. But, you know, uh, and some, you know Chloe, she's already dating, so we, we're, we're past that. But Caroline, 40 or 50 sounds good. And so... But why, why do you want that attention from that opposite sex, right? Do you want it for the honor and the attention that it brings to you? Or, or at the heart of your relationship, is it for the glory of God? Can we say that in parents? 
What are you, how are you parenting your children? Are you parenting them so that they might recognize all that you do for them by providing that home and providing the gifts and providing the things for them, for them that, that they will give you the recognition to show you week in and week out how much they appreciate that you take them to McDonald's or you, buy, you made them that meal or you bought them their clothes or you put that gas in that car? Are you doing those things that you might receive, be appreciated or receive honor for what you do for them? And let's take that to our marriages. How many times do we do things for our spouses only in return that we might get something in return or that our spouse would show us how much we appreciate them for cleaning the house or how much we appreciate the sacrifice they made for us or the things that they, how many times are we doing it because we want honor from our spouses or glory from our spouses or how are we loving our spouses for the glory of God? How are in our workplaces or in our career or in our using our talents and abilities? Are we working at our workplaces? Are we doing what we're doing at work because we want to please our superiors or our supervisors or our employee or our employer? Are we doing what God's called us to, where He's called us to, that where God's placed it, He might that we might glorify Him and the talents and the abilities He's given us in that place? that our coworkers would see that we are using our talents and our abilities that we might reach people and that people might see God's glory in us. When we think about our career, when we think about serving in the church here at Bethesda, when you serve as a growth group leader or as you serve as a greeter or you serve in our nursery or our children or with our prime timers or with our students, are you doing it so t- people could... Sh- tell you how much they appreciate you for doing it or they might recognize the things that you do or are you doing it for the glory of God I ask you with your life with every aspect of your life what are you doing it for are you doing it for your glory or are you doing it for God's glory and now let me take it to another level How are you willing to say, like Christ, that God, from the beginning of my life and to my relationships, to my career, to my education, to my service at the church, Lord, all those things in between, I want to give you glory. But Lord, I want to finish well. That even at the end of my life, God, even in my death, God, I want to give you glory. You know, we are really good to just say, okay, God, okay, he's right. You know, I I really haven't really been thinking about my relationships and how my relationships give God glory. And so I'll I'll think more about that. And God, yeah, you really are right. I really need to think about how am I giving God glory with my career. So I really need to think about that. That's right. And at my education and for our students thinking about college one day, and how am I going to really give my Glory to God with my, with my education. So yeah, all those things are are right, but, but but that death piece. I mean, let's just let's just put that to a side. I mean, that we we don't really want to go there. I mean, everything else as far as, I mean, all the other things are uncomfortable like it is. But death, death. I think that is one that we want to say is untouchable. But for the Lord or for Jesus, it wasn't. 
for Paul, he says, whether I live or whether I die, may Christ be honored in my body. I wonder today if you could say, Lord, throughout my life, and even to the end of my life, God, I want to give you glory. I want to start the race, but I want to finish the race. And I want to finish giving you glory. It wasn't too long ago that my um, grandmother passed away. My grandmother um, suffered a lot in the last year. Um, struggled with cancer at the end. But through it all, she was so gracious and so good, so ready. Never got bitter, never got angry. Was always ready for heaven throughout all the last days. After she passed away, my sister got an email from a pastor friend of ours. And he said this thing, that he said these words to my sister. He said, I want to know that I had a great visit with your grandmother on Friday afternoon. She was having a pretty good day, and we really had a good time together. I don't remember seeing anyone with a more positive outlook to the end of life on this earth. Having known your grandparents for many years, I shared with your mother, I believe that your granddad taught you your family how to live. And now that your grandmother is teaching your family how to die. I went home, I went hoping to be a blessing and left extremely blessed. She's a godly lady and she's worked to instilled godliness in her family. Thank you for continuing that light in your life. And then he just says um, some words of pleasantry. Anytime I can see or be of help of you, please let me know. She finished well. She finished the end giving God glory. I pray for my life that God receive glory in me. In my, how I care for my wife, how I care for my children, how I lead my career or my ministry. But even to the end, may God receive the glory. I really believe that's the greatest gift I can give the Lord for what he's done for me. How about you today? Can you say simply today at Christmas, Lord, help me give you glory and help me long to, in every area of my life, you receive all the praise, honor, and glory. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for your word for us. Lord, I pray that, um, that um, you would just lead us now in this time of invitation. Um, Lord, I pray that um, we would be open um, to your leading. And as you speak, God, I pray we respond. If that's those who need to come to this altar and pray, I pray they do that. I pray for some today um, who have not put their faith in you for salvation. I pray there'd be those who would do that today. Or however you lead us, may we surrender to you now. In your name we pray. Amen. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.